I'm Jay Edidon. And I'm Miles Stokes. And you're listening to Hawk Talk. Where we talk hawks. Now, normally this would be Jay and Miles explain the X-Men, a weekly romp that ins, outs, retcons, clones, and time travel of comics' greatest superhero soap opera. But once every four weeks, we take a week off from our kind of labor-intensive research and outlining habits, and uh, we just sort of talk about stuff. And that's Hawk Talk, which is, again, nominally about hawks. So what are today's hawks, Miles? Uh, well, before we talk about the hawks of April 3rd as we record this, I will disclaim, as always, that this episode is unedited. The amazing Hollywood magic of Matt Hunter is nowhere to be found. So if it sounds like crap, A, we're cool with that, and B, don't blame him. Blame us. And C, as... honestly, I don't know what you were expecting. <laughs> um, as far as the Hawks we are talking today, so last time, Jay, it was my birthday when we recorded, he suggested that we talk about something that was kind of like a, a thing that was in my head a lot, which was the Ninja Turtles. Some awesome feedback from listeners about that. Thank you all. I, I have so many things to check out now. Um, and today I'd asked you if you had anything you wanted to talk about, and you suggested the internet. Like, oh, I didn't know this was supposed to be my topic. I, I just I just didn't have a specific, like, special thing that I, I, I wanted to jump in for today. So I was trying to think of something broad that we could both address the way we have previous subjects. Okay, well, at the same time, though, I mean, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation between the two of us because we interact with the Internet so very differently from one another. So I'm, I'm curious to see where we go with that. So... One of the things that I thought would make this an interesting topic, oh yeah, I should also mention, I live real near a fire station, so you're going to hear some sirens. Again, normally those are edited out of our episodes, but uh, we hope you enjoy them as additional bonus content today. Uh, we recommend you um, tie yourself to the mast and put wax in your ears whenever the sirens pass. It's, it's safer that way. Yes. Yes, exactly. Now, one of the things that I've, I've realized as we've talked and you know, made, made stupid jokes over the course of our show is that our concept of the internet is going to be fairly different from the internet that younger listeners are coming to. That's been kind of reinforced as I've been reading uh, Gretchen McCullough's book, be um, Because Internet, which is about the ways that internet has changed and interacted with linguistics and, and the rules of, of applied language. So maybe we should just sort of begin at the beginning and, and start with the stuff that we think of when we think of internet, but also with our first points of entry. Oh, man. Well, okay, I'm not going to say we were there at the beginning, because the beginning was like a bunch of wacky ARPANET things that I mostly learned about from Hideo Kojima in the Metal Gear series. Um, excuse me, I am Al Gore. Okay, well, Jay, you are Al Gore. Um, although, lot. honestly, the whole internet being a series of tubes thing, like, there are worse ways of describing it, I'm just saying. So is it a series of tubes? Uh, literally, a series of tubes. Like, you know, plumbing. Are there guinea pigs in them? Oh, like going through pneumatic tubes, just squeep, 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 Okay, guinea pigs and pneumatic tubes is my new favorite thing, and I'm so happy that I just randomly came up with it just now. Um, excuse me, sir. What? Well, I mean, we talked about it before. I, I mean, I, I'm just glad it came into my brain just now. Oh, yeah, no, they're, they're good. Pneumatic tubes are, are basically made to be an ideal form of rapid guinea pig conveyance. If you are unfamiliar with pneumatic tubes, those are the things that the bank drive in, um... And they used to have them in a lot more places, and it's a shame that they don't, because they're great. The big they are! No, I, I miss that. I mean, I recognize that um, physical reality is is uh, gradually diminishing from our world and receding into the West, but pneumatic tubes, if we were going to keep, like, one thing from the physical world, I'm not going to say pneumatic tubes would be my top choice, but certainly within my top five. So I've been watching, I've, well, re-watching, I've been re-watching The Magicians, and one of the conceits on The Magicians is that 
the the borders between worlds are thin for bunnies, so they make a very good form of of interdimensional communication. And the bunnies and the magicians can also talk, but they all talk in the same kind of weird, gruff, breath, breathy voice. Huh. So, so you get them delivering messages like emergency. I, wow. Wait, the magicians. That's the one that Christina Strain has done writing for, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I keep hearing good things. It's really good. It's. Re I mean, as I mentioned, I'm on my second watch through. Impressive. I just finished watching The Clone Wars, which I think the last four episodes of The Clone Wars are my new favorite Star Wars movie. It was just freaking perfection. Oh, so good. So good. Damn. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of iffy stuff you have to get through to get there, but a lot of good stuff, too. But anyway, we are digressing, like, so much farther even than we normally do. You know what? We're not. Because A, we're talking about modes of communication, but B, we are watching those shows in a way that once would have seemed impossible to us, which is to say, over the internet. That is a good point, I suppose. And I think that's that's the thing with Annette, like, and the thing that certainly has uh, become g gone from not being the case to very much being the case over our adolescences and adulthoods, which is the Internet's ubiquitous at this point. And back in the day, like back in the mid-90s when we were first getting online, that was not the case. Like, going online was an active activity that one did. Well, and it was something that usually required you to either use or have a spare phone line because you did it through phones. And it was slow, and usually it required you to have a dedicated internet service provider, which back in the day were mostly either AOL or Prodigy. There was CompuServe, too. I don't know. I was an AOL guy. Like, AOL was the hotness back in 1995 or so, and that was what I wanted. Oh, yeah, same. Uh, this, was, this was before the AOL disks were just sort of piling up in, in every gutter. At that point, you would treasure them. You would hiss if anybody looked at them and talk about how they were your birthday present, your precious. Ironically, I've actually been looking for stuff like that because I want to make a suncatcher for the chickens because they really like reflective surfaces, and now they're impossible to find. Let me do some digging. I, I feel like I, I might know some people. All right, all right. Uh, circle back. So yeah, um, and, and as, as that implies, you had, to, you had to physically install everything that would allow you to connect to the internet. And you'd do it, and it would dial up, and it would make dialing noises very slowly, and then it would make really kind of horrible pigeon torture noises. And then, maybe, be lucky, you would be able to send an email. Maybe. That's the thing. The, the internet was kind of garbage back in the day, and if things worked right, it was kind of the exception rather than the rule. You mentioned ARPANET and DARPANET, and I've actually got an anecdote about that. My, my aunt, for a long, long time, worked at a company called Wang, um, which was a... a early one of the one of the early kind of computer giants and one of the early kind of internet and interoffice email giants and they set up um interoffice or interoffice email for the department of veteran affairs who apparently insisted on referring to it as wanging as and i'll wang that right over to you oh i okay i am 12 and that is funny yeah, no, it, it really doesn't stop being funny. <laughs> I mean, we should say right now, like, okay, yeah, I work in IT, but we don't know a ton about this. Like, back in the mid-90s, I knew jack shit about computers. And honestly, my areas of knowledge are very specialized right now, so I still know jack shit about most aspects of technology. So we're probably going to get, like, half of this wrong. Apologies to people who are shaking their fists at their, their podcatchers right now. I mean, our perspective on this stuff is mostly as users, and as users who are specifically part of um, kind of the Oregon Trail generation. We're not internet natives in the ways that teenagers and young adults now are, but we're not as distant from it as our parents' generation is. We are basically the generation who came of age alongside the internet. 
Yeah, which is weird. And honestly, I feel like we lucked out. Like, I mean, a million people have talked about this, but the fact that we got to benefit from the positives of the internet as they came into popular knowledge without having our entire adolescences recorded in some kind of fashion that other people could see, like, we kind of got off easy there. I mean, that strangers could see. Most of us have those parents who have that, that shoebox full of photos. Okay, there's there's that. My mother does love showing those off. Um, Listeners, uh, don't just randomly show up at my mom's house, but like, if you happen to get to know her and become friends, then she will happily show you that shoebox full of photos. It's actually way more than a shoebox. There's so much. Oh yeah, it's 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 like a shoe castle. Um, but she she's very friendly. So if you happen to run into her, this should be pretty easy to do. Oh yeah, no, she's great. She loves talking about me. It's weird. One so, time, oh go ahead, Jay. Oh no, so I was gonna say so that that actually raises a question. Were your parents really worried when you started using the internet? Because mine mine were cons- mine were concerned to the point that I shared a screen name with my mom for the first couple of years we were on AOL. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah. Um, well, you, you guys used to have the same, like, uh, initial and last name, so that could be yep. simple. Yeah. I mean, we still have the same last name. Yeah. Um, so, no, not not really. My my mother and stepfather didn't really know what the internet was, and honestly, they only kind of do now. Um, I, my dad, I don't know if it just didn't bug him or what, but we never really talked about it, so... You know, I think at one point, some relative or another was concerned I might catch a virus from the computer because they'd heard about computer viruses or something. But aside from that, um, no, I was just out there in the, the wild west of America online. That was not a relative. That was the mother of a friend who was the same friend who was not allowed to come to our Y2K New Year's party. Oh, was that her? Oh, thank yeah. you for reconnecting that memory, yeah, that Jay. Was, that was very specifically, that was her, that was her mom. Oh, jeez, that... Yeah, that was the whole thing. Uh, no, but I mean, I just, you know, I, I spent all my freaking time on AOL, and I was fortunate enough to have my own phone line because my parents were sick of me taking up theirs all the time, which meant I was fortunate enough to be able to be online as much as I wanted. I think that was around the time maybe that you could get unlimited plans instead of being charged by the minute. Yeah, I was very lucky in that regard because my dad teaches at a college, and those tend to be sort of on the forefront of the of of internet use but also he was a really really active bbs newsnet user which meant that we were pretty much using like like the internet was in my household pretty early it was assumed to be a regular thing and my parents were actively invested in in improving our internet access which was really nice because again um it meant we had we had you know a, we had oh we had a 288 bps modem Oh, man. Yeah, for for any younger listeners, like, it's really hard to overemphasize how slow internet access was back in the 90s. Like, think about slow and then cut that down to, like, 2% of what you're thinking about. What you got to imagine, so your screen is made of pixels, right? You got to imagine that, like, a little tiny person with a little tiny pencil has to color in every one of those pixels individually. And you get a rough sense of the speed of the internet in the late 90s. I, oh, man... The time and bandwidth I spent downloading Final Fantasy concept art and the MIDI versions of Final Fantasy music, because the actual recorded versions, no, you just couldn't download those. They were they were too big. That was impossible. Oh, geez. That was, I, I'm sure I still have them on a hard drive somewhere. Well, I was thinking about things that felt like really big kind of internet threshold points in, in my memories, and one of them specifically was the Final Fantasy VIII trailer. Yeah, yeah, that would have been in, like, the mid-late 90s or something like that. Yeah, no, I remember we watched that, and our minds were freaking blown. 
And it wasn't just that someone could make something like that. It was that we could download something like that and just watch it on a computer. Like, what the hell? I mean, it took a really long time to download, oh, and yeah. it was a very small window because it was very low res, but still, yeah. So by the time we went to college, it was pretty much like peak AMV era. Yes, anime, music, videos. And we definitely ran with uh, an anime aficionado crowd as much as I, I know both of our anime knowledge is, is rather limited. Well, it wasn't just anime. That was This was something that kind of spread into other, other genres and other areas, but, but videos in general were gradually beginning to take over as, as the lingua franca of the internet. Yeah, and I i mean, it was cool. I had like a small collection of, of them downloaded, but I, I didn't fully understand it then, and I still don't understand video. Reading stuff is so much quicker. Video is cooler, I guess, for some things, but like, you have to dedicate your attention to it. It's hard. You do, but it's also kind of a great medium for chaos, which is the form that I think a lot of its its peak popularity during our college years achieved. Like, I'm thinking of the things that we got really into online, and they're things like, they're strong, bad email. Right, right, they're, right. All your base will belong to us. One of the earliest, I, I guess you could call that a meme back then? They're Don Hertzfeld, like those mm -hmm. G.I. Joe PSA recuts. Lobster magnet, lobster, lobster magnet. magnet. All of, like... All of all of the doofy chaos stuff. Yeah, that's true. I I remember those GI Joe public service announcement videos. If if people aren't familiar, somebody took the old like public service bits at the end of the GI Joe cartoon episodes that they were required to have to prove that the show wasn't just a toy advertisement, even though it was. Um, and just like redid the dialogue to just make it make no goddamn sense. I I read that as being described as being by high people for high people, and I think that summarizes a lot of the internet crap we enjoyed in college, despite being very chemically boring people at the time. Yeah, no, we, we managed to not do drugs in college, but I feel like I made up with it for, for it with sleep deprivation. I don't know about you. You you really did. No, I had other poor decisions, but I, I think I certainly slept more than you, but I think most people slept more than you. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, it, don't don't be me in college. Bad choices. Bad choices. I mean, it worked out in the end. Successful choices, but bad choices. <laughs> it's funny how those line up sometimes. God, I'm looking at going back to school and... It's 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 both exciting and scary to be approaching that with an adult perspective. I I believe it. Yeah, I I, I couldn't do it. It's I, I value being able to actually be present too much, and I could never. I was never present back in college. There was always like a bunch of academic stuff hanging over my head, and I, I couldn't handle it. Spoken like someone with a non-deadline based job. Uh, that's true. That's probably part of why I ended up in a, a field like that. There are deadlines. There's just not those kind of deadlines. Anyway, uh, okay, we're we're getting off track again, but the internet, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like we have to talk about social media because that was something that was starting to become a bigger deal as we were in college. I mean, even high school, if you're counting stuff like LiveJournal. Yeah, I guess so, man. I So I jumped onto every, every social media train extremely, extremely late, which is something that I highly recommend. <laughs> it's, no, it's it's a good way to test the out. Uh, to, to test waters, and I mean, there are there are external reasons for that that I'm I'm not going to go into, which have also pretty heavily mediated how I use the internet and especially how I use social media. I am a little intensely nutty about some privacy stuff, but I really like social media, and I really like social media specifically as someone who is very introverted and has some has some stuff going on in my brain that makes makes verbal communication occasionally challenging. And 
as a freelancer in a very decentralized field. So for 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 comics in general, and, and I mean, I imagine that different different industries tend to gather on different platforms, but the water cooler of the comics industry is Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that was something... I mean, honestly, that's the entire reason I am r reluctantly on Twitter is because you kind of have to be if you're in any way affiliated with comics. And, and you know, and if you want to interact with it online, of course. Well, and Twitter is... I sort of think of Twitter as a very, 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 very large party. You can wander through it. You can very much choose the conversations you're part of. Occasionally, other parts will bleed in, but you can you know, just elbow people kind of back out. Like, it's a very curatable platform, which I really like about it. And one of the things I really dig about comics Twitter is it's basically an ongoing masterclass. Okay, masterclass, like, in terms of learning for more experienced people within the field? Well, yeah, and also in terms of just being able to be a fly on the wall for really in-depth conversations about craft, about continuity, about the industry, from folks who've played formative roles in those or are really kind of creative luminaries in their fields. It's really, really, really neat. Like, you can you can get just a stunningly good sense of the landscape, and I mean, you could probably pretty much learn to write and draw comics from following the right Twitter accounts and intersections of them. I would have... I would have so much trouble actually, like, turning that information into something digestible for my brain. I think, like, I don't know, Twitter seems to work really well with some people's learning styles and attention styles and, and not with others. And it, I, I don't know. I'm impressed that you, uh, you click so well with it because I, I don't. Again, curation is a huge, huge component. You know, not only following the accounts you want to follow, but following the accounts who themselves do good jobs curating the larger circles around, following combinations of people who you like watching in conversation, things like that. Again, it's very, very much like the computer equivalent of navigating um, a fairly broad cocktail party. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. And it's weird because I love, I love parties, but yeah, I don't know. I... I know that's an area where we've always been very different because even though like I'm the one who's officially working in technology i think between the two of us i am far more of a luddite than you are at least when it comes to the internet i i, well, I just you like, you like staring drunkenly in people's eyes and i like sitting under tables exchanging mutual interests around like weird literary passions <laughs> i think you just summed up that distinction very well jay thank you i mean i'm literally just describing our respective behavior at parties there is that yeah um but yeah i don't know it's it's interesting to me because like you know, we think social media, we think Twitter, maybe Facebook, and those are old people internet at this point, and I, I don't even know what younger folks are into. I know TikTok is a thing, but it's hard for me to imagine how you can really communicate through it, but it, it's not for us, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think the ways in which ideas spread and the ways in which ideas are discussed change per platform. And I've got to say, I am, I am, I definitely have some old guy your kids don't know what you're missing feelings about things like forums. I really miss threaded, basically yet threaded conversations mm -hmm. um, in, in ways that a lot of common, common popular current platforms can't quite replicate. But I think, I mean, I think it's, I, I don't think it's, it's that, that these things are replacing each other. I think it's that the kinds of conversations are shifting partially in response to the media and platforms that are available. And that's something that happens organically. It's something that's, that definitely happened with us as we were growing up. And I think it's something that to an extent happens with any generation 
in which there are major major technolo technological advances. I mean, think about the difference it made, the difference it's made during our lifetimes, during our adulthoods, in fact, for long distance calling to no longer be a major factor. Oh, that is a good point. I definitely engaged in some uh, minor long distance um, billing fraud when I was a teenager to talk to people in other states. Right. And it, that doesn't just change the phone calls you make. It changes the way you think of distance and it changes the way you think of and frame and formulate relationships. Email did similar things. Different social media platforms do similar things in different ways. That's a really good point. Well, okay, so that actually uh, brings up a question I wanted to ask you. So I know that you've been heavily involved in the unofficial official Explain the X-Men uh, Discord server. I've, I've barely been. But how have you found communication tends to work in a format like that? Like, how does that... I mean, Discord's a chat room, basically. Discord okay. is 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 a chat room that you can break into smaller chat rooms. It's fairly it's fairly conversational it's got it's conversational you know but you can scroll back through it's much harder to find individual posts there aren't threaded conversations the the option to quote was introduced relatively recently huh i mean ever so i again again i go back to forums i also go back to imsy which was a fucking fantastic platform did may it's sold rest in, in eternal peace and or haunt the people who fa failed to, you know, provide it with sufficient funding to, to keep going. Yeah, but... we were, we were going to be in that. Like, they, they paid we for were. us to have a special t-shirt made. Yeah, we were. And we were we were one of the, the, the founding communities there. And we had a really great community there. Um, for, like, the 10 minutes that it existed. Right. So I miss those things. Discord is basically a casual chat platform. And... So the things that, that you get out of a community that has, has sort of a common central one of those, it has. The things that you don't get when that's the central thing, it doesn't have. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, when I've been involved in things like that, like, you know, we have, we use um, Mattermost at work some, for instance, uh, and, and Zoom chat, which is honestly not that, that different. It's really hard for me to feel like I can I can focus on something like that. Like I grew up on instant messaging in AOL and everything that that's turned yeah. into, which I guess I mean texting at this point. God, speaking of dead platforms, I miss I really miss AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, AOL was kind of an awful company in a lot of ways, but but that was handy. But well, Instant uh, Messenger was broke 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 off from it ages ago. Okay, I thought it was still owned by AIM or AOL. I don't know. No, I think it. I think it became its own thing. I don't know. Either way, it no longer exists, and I'm still kind of sad about that. Yeah, but like, see, that makes sense to me when you have one or a small handful of the same people every time in a conversation. But a big, massive, like free for all cocktail party kind of thing, I, uh, I, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to to feel directly connected to that. Like, it can be a little alienating. Well, that's that's Twitter, Discord. Think about lunch tables at college and people sort of moving in and out of groups, but seeing, you know, the same handful of people. Oh, hey, there's one of those sirens. Um, mm. Waxing the ears, but, everyone. Yeah, but seeing, seeing you know, the same handful of people whose, whose content kind of rotates and there are, there are 80 or 90 people there, but there tend to be 15 or 20 who are involved in active conversation. And sometimes extra people will pull up chairs and the contents of groups will still shift around a little bit, but it's basically, it's, it's, it's an exist, it's a community. Okay, and that's it's not, that's awesome. It's not like it's not like the 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 massive massive ocean that is is Twitter. 
Yeah. Uh, no, and I'm super glad that exists. Like, it seems like it's been incredibly valuable for a whole, whole lot of people. Um, yeah, so it's it, it's kind of like, I kind of look at it the way I look at pot, at marijuana. A lot of people are really into it and seem to find great value there, and I'm so glad they do. And I'm a little jealous that I've never really been able to click, and I've eventually just decided that maybe it's not for me and I should do other things. I do still feel like Jeff Winger on Paul Rudd is the gold standard for describing that feeling. What was that quote again? I know we just had it in an episode. It's the, it's the, I get the appeal and I'd never take it away from someone, but I also wouldn't stand in line for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Well, it's actually, it's Jeff Winger on Paul Rudd as a metaphor for Jeff Winger on religion. Right. Ah, community. You are a many layered beast. It's a great show. Yes. Oh, oh, oh man, though, there's a thing we haven't touched as far as internet stuff which is our years of World of Warcraft. Oh, I was going to say Ikea Heights, but okay. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in a long time. Yeah, man. So World of Warcraft came out. Were we seniors in college or were we, had we just graduated? It came out around the time that we were getting out of college. And it was great because it, w- it was a way to keep gaming with the people who we tabletop gamed with and, and console gamed with all through college. Exactly, yeah. And, um, God, yeah, I mean, we, we started in, uh, for, for, for those in the know, in the late vanilla period. Um, I wouldn't know what that means, and I was there, so... Oh, it just means before the, before the expansions came out, but, like, toward the end of the period before the expansions came out. Um, yeah, it was fun. Um, we were never that hardcore. Like, we, we played it largely for the community aspect. Yeah. And I at least quit when it started to feel like a second job. I, I, I quit years after it started feeling that way. I mean, part of it was like, you know, we were, um, we, we had a guild and I, I felt a lot of loyalty to, to that guild. I was even running it for a while, which is weird to think back about because I'm so not, uh, I mean, I don't mind a leadership position here and there, but, uh, it was just so, so task oriented and, Yeah. The thing is, I don't really, th- I don't really think of that as an internet era for me because it was, it was such a siloed thing. I guess so. I guess for me, it just um, it feels like the same type of internet communication that we've been describing. You know, in fact, it feels mm, a lot like the true. way you were describing Discord, just with more like you know, killing boars. Yeah, very much so. And I mean, occasional like people in the same house being like, "So, what do you want to do for dinner on Guild Chat?" That was really fun when all of us that were sharing that house were were playing World of Warcraft together. That was that was that good was times. that was a lot of fun. I was actually just thinking about that um, indirectly because T just installed Dwarf Fortress on her computer. Dwarf Fortress. Oh, man. That is yeah. a thing. Yeah, no, she played seriously for a fairly long time. I, on the other hand, um, know everything that I know about about Dwarf Fortress from Let's Play Boat Murdered. So, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that. I, Which is, is another thing. Like, I feel like there used to be this, this sort of humor base on the internet. Well, I think the thing is there used to be approximately three like, websites. Uh, right. And... That's the Yeah, so, so there, there were these things that were like, very, very common experiences and that were were memes in the more original sense of the term because they were they were ideas or they were they were bits of inside joke that so many people had access to. You could sort of assume this common language with other people who had remotely shared interests and spent time online. Yeah, I I don't know if I missed that or not, but uh, I mean, I guess it's good to have more options. It's like, you know, hey, we're in the golden age of television right now, which means nobody knows what anybody's talking about. I but missed there's... Boat Murdered. Freaking Boat I Murdered. Don't. Listeners... It, was, it, was, it was a crystalline moments in time. You, you, you can look it up. I don't know if it'll make any goddamn sense if it's not like 2000, whatever the hell it was back then. Uh, but 
you know, things like that still exist. Like there are, they, they just exist with things like video commentary now. Yeah. Yeah. Another, uh, another thing that like, it's gotten gigantic and I, I, I don't, I, again, I'm not, I'm not against it. I just, I just don't, don't get it. Like if you're going to play, if you're going to, watch a video game why don't you just play it yourself it's for a lot of reasons a lot of which have to do with ability and interest and that wanting to experience and have connection to something relative to the time it takes to get good at or the specific combinations of ability and reflex might not be there there are there are there are a lot of a lot of reasons for that or also the fact that a huge number of games and platforms are incredibly disability unfriendly okay those are all excellent points none of which i had considered and i'm grateful that you brought them up so huh i'll think on all that but yeah but one of, that, that actually brings me to kind of one of the things that i like most about the internet which is that it allows for the ability to come into peripheral casual contact with a massively wide variety of things that you'd never stumble across just in in daily human life for most of us. That's true. This, I, I saw that's... a video of a crab eating a strawberry, and I've never seen that in real life, and it made me happy. Oh, it was a tiny, good. tiny crab and a normal-sized strawberry. It was so dainty with its little claws. Good job, tiny crab. Anyway, I interrupted you. What were you saying? I was I was thinking more more. Like, obviously, this is something that requires a degree of curation, but you've basically got the equivalent of a lifetime supply of reading rainbow. You can visit processes and people and ideas and craftspeople and, and, and get walked through the basics of a range of stuff so much greater than most of us will ever encounter geographically. That's that's true. And I mean, obviously, very much a double edged sword. But, you know, you've been talking a lot about curation. and I think that's part of where that comes in, because the Internet is full of garbage, but there's some really cool stuff. And if you know how to find the cool stuff, that's awesome. Well, the Internet is full of garbage and some garbage is great. True, true. Like that crab. That crab's not garbage. That crab is my friend. That crab sounds so good. I, animals eating strawberries are kind of a, the theme of, of wonders. I'm remembering a video of a tortoise eating a strawberry that was really wonderful, too. Oh, yeah. What I really like also is that a lot of them look like they've been uh, committing horrible acts of violence once they have strawberry all over their faces. That's fun. I, yeah. I, I love trash animal internet in general. Like, I, I follow several raccoon and possum-based accounts. Oh, yeah. Man, they're great. Possums, they, they, they yell and they keep their babies on them and they live in trash and I love them. They're so good. They're like really angry minibuses that can't get rabies. Possums can't get rabies? I didn't know that. Yeah, they're pretty much immune to rabies. Oh. I need to get an injection of possum blood then. I could be like the wizard who got an injection of mongoose blood. Dude, we have literally covered on the podcast why that would be a bad idea. Oh, have we? Oh, yes. we've, we've done a lot of episodes. We literally got I... a virologist to cover on the podcast why that would be a bad idea. So we're coming up on our, uh, what is it, 7th? podcast birthday and i'm just saying I, I you can't expect any of us to remember all that stuff yeah that's like 400 in podcast years oh geez i oh, that is baffling normally we would celebrate that at emerald city comic-con but um obviously not so much this year we should come up with something though because it's this coming month we could we we could we could do like a live stream hawk talk or something oh live stream hawk party I, those confuse me hawk party we... sounds like it's probably a euphemism for something kind of dirty 
Yeah, that sounds filthy. I don't want to have a hawk party. I don't know what it is, but I think you might get a disease. Either way, you're going to have to clean a lot of weird stuff up off your floor. <laughs> this is true. Man, yeah, I uh, that's something we haven't really played with. Like, I know our recording platform actually does support that kind of stuff, and we've just never really touched it. So, I don't know. Maybe one of these days. But I mean, only occasionally. Of, I was going to say, part of what I love about recording, recorded, me, recorded media is that, that, like, I don't have to worry about what my face does. And, like, no one's watching while we're making it. It, it, it just, yeah, and usually it gets edited, then, but, but sometimes we just do this. But we get to just push it out there in the universe and then not pretend that, that no one sees it. Exactly. Uh, no, I have actually thought about that sometimes. Like, you know, there are episodes where we've gotten, like, X-Men continuity wrong or we've inadvertently said something shitty. Um, and we could go back and change that stuff, but I don't know. That kind of seems like a, like a cheat. Like, I don't want to be George Lucas. Yeah, no, I have pretty strong feelings about not doing that, and those are feelings as as an academic and as an editor. Um, I feel like you 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 do the Muppet Show thing. You disclaim the contents. You explain why they're why they're a problem, and either you partially remove them or you leave them in their unedited form. Yeah, and I know we've done that, like, in the episode copy, in the text that goes with episodes on our website, but I also know that the way podcasts work is, like, a, a very small minority of our listeners actually, like, look at that stuff. Yeah, shout out to, like, the three people who actually do. Shout out to the one of those people who actually reads the hashtags, which tend to be full of stupid jokes. <laughs> you do good work with those hashtags, Jay. On I the rare occasions ones. when I take that over, I, I try to live up, but it's it's a, it's a high mark to a hit. So... Now we're on the internet. I mean, I guess we've been on the internet before. I kind of want to go back a little bit to web pages, though, because remember when everyone had them? Uh, yeah, yeah. There were you could get a personal web page at say GeoCities uh, or Angel Fire or something like that, and it was a big deal. And everybody kind of made the same shitty web page when you get down to it. Like you'd have a MIDI in the background, you'd have some GIFs and some web ring links at the bottom. You'd have a lot of hyperlinks to to random stuff just in normal text you would write, like. It was fine. It's probably for the best that most of those don't exist anymore. I made one that was an image map that was a phrenology bust of myself, which I thought was pretty fucking cool. Oh, yeah, you did. I forgot about that. That was it, back in high school, right? No, that was in college. Was it in college? Okay, yes, gotcha. It was, I definitely did not make anything with image maps in school. Yeah, that, that would have been kind of hard back then. Um... But yeah, no, uh, in individual websites. Um, it's interesting. I just saw some kind of service. I think it's called Card, like with two R's, which I assume means pirates use it, um, which is basically that. It's like a less shitty looking version of personal websites from the mid 90s with just like stuff about you. I miss when the internet felt like a bunch of zines. Actually, that's something I really dig about TikTok. It's got kind of that raw DIY feel to it. Yeah. Or potential for it. Like, back in the day, personal websites felt like perzines. Like, they had that general sense of, like, yes, this is this is my, my, you know, unselfconsciously entirely solipsistic little corner of the universe where I will talk about my cat. Well, and I think one thing that was nice back in the day is you, it was very hard to make a website that didn't look like crap. And so you didn't have to worry about, you know, comparing too unfavorably to other people like you know you wouldn't look as good as the barnes and noble website or whatever although by today's standards that wouldn't have looked good anyway but uh you know the fact is as long as you had a site that was all the cred you needed like you were already doing great so first of all shout out to the space jet website space jet 
Space Jam. Oh, Space Jam. Yeah, did you hear that it, it doesn't exist anymore as of like a couple days ago? No. Now it goes to stuff about the new movie. Oh, damn it. The Space Jam website, for those unfamiliar, was this incredible relic that had existed entirely unchanged since like 1996, was it? Something like that. Yeah, it just, they never updated, they never took it down. And so it was this, this, this brilliant just moment frozen in amber of the old internet. But I want to go back because I feel like there are a couple websites that we kind of, we, we should kind of touch on before we close this up that are, are ones that for me at least really defined the early internet. And I know for you did too. One of those obviously is going to be the Gaming Intelligence Agency. Oh man, that was great. That was, I think it like spun out of, not RPG.net, RPGamer.com, that was it. Um, which was a website dedicated to video game RPGs like Final Fantasy and stuff. And the Gaming Intelligence Agency, its whole deal was that it just looked at video games that, you know, were were intelligent, that whether they had plots or interesting themes or whatever that weren't just, you know, pure action. And there was such good writing there. I was obsessed with that site. I had a t-shirt from it that I wish I still had, but it disappeared somewhere in the last multiple decades. Oh, I, I would occasionally get a letter into the letters column, and I would feel like I was on top of the goddamn world, like I was a minor celebrity by virtue of doing so. So it was very, very briefly revived a few years ago, and I actually got to write for it once, which was was definitely a a weirdly specific high point in my career. Yeah, no, that was awesome. Um, and I still remember, like, you know, we, we know one of the people that uh, created it back in the day, and that, that still feels like a really big deal. I still feel like a like a, a sheepish fanboy every time we see him at a convention. Aww. Actually, no, two people, two people. Yes, yeah. Um, so, so that, and that kind of pairs in my mind really automatically with brunching shuttlecocks. The brunching shuttlecocks. That, yes. I mean, okay, it was a humor website. I guess if you have to describe it, it simply, was it was a humor website. really foundational to my sense of humor. Yeah. I keep on realizing that over, like coming up across things or, or talking about things and being like, no, yeah, that, that was, that, that website definitely like created and codified a lot of how I think of funny. It's, if it has a successor, I almost think that maybe Clickhole would be that successor. Mm, but Brunching Shuttlecocks wasn't the kind of like corporate produced and shiny that Clickhole is. It wasn't formulaic in the same ways. There was a chaos element to it that I really, really loved. Like, I don't see, I don't see Clickhole ever bringing us stuff like the Bjork song. Oh, yeah, and then there's the verse with all the cowboys coming in to sing about Bjork, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just earnestly bizarre, that site. It was. Well, so, so much of the best of the internet was earnestly bizarre in those days. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's still out there. It's just, there's, there's so much out there that I, I don't know. It's hard to find. And it's also hard to focus on. It's kind of like, um, so I, like many people, I subscribe to a streaming music service. Uh, do you use one yourself, Jay? Uh, yeah, I use Spotify. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Apple Music because I'm very much in the Apple ecosystem through work and stuff. And it's cool to have access to basically whatever, uh, aside from some, you know, smaller stuff. But at the same time, it also means that it's hard to focus as intensely on individual things like i haven't memorized the lyrics to a full album the way i used to when i was a teenager because i just keep flitting from thing to thing to thing and the net's kind of like that as well you know back in the day when there were three websites two of which we just talked about um you would get really into stuff you'd get really familiar and these days for me at least not so much have you found that to be the case as well or no i think that's definitely the case but also i tend to go in really odd directions on spotify when i'm not going through music that i already have so, like, for example, right now, one of the playlists I listen to the most is a Klezmer Punk playlist. 
and I Klezmer feel like, punk. Ooh. Yeah, I feel like the more specialized you get, the more you do end up experience. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, some of the folk metal uh, holes I've been going down get very specific. But so okay, we we started to talk about it, and then we talked about the GIA and the Brunching Shuttlecocks. But I, I guess we kind of have to address. Yeah, we're we're on the internet. That's weird. Are we though? Are we really? Are you listening to this on the internet? Or is it it's, it's simply just, you know, gently teasing the inner ear bones in your skull through some kind through oh, through the powers of magnetism might be magnetism. It's probably magnetism. I mean, let's be real, the internet probably is based on magnetism. The miracle of magnetism. Everything is magnetism. <laughs> but yeah, we are we exist in, in sort of the liminal universe of the internet. We are internet personalities, I guess. But we are, we are definitely among the disembodied voices that, for some folks, define the internet as a large group. Except here's the question. Do people think of podcasts as being on the internet, or do they think of them as sort of a, a separate, isolated ecosystem? That's a really good question. I mean, I'd imagine it depends on how integrated they are with the internet. And, like, ours ours kind of is, but mostly through your individual presence. Like, because you are, you are very online. Um, and I feel like about... 80% of the podcast online presence is is through you. Well, I was thinking more it's it's more probably a question of how people access it whether it's through the website or through a podcatcher. Yeah, I've always wondered that. We definitely have people that that do both. And I'm always impressed when people listen to our show through our website because our website is uh imperfect. Um yeah. we're we're working on it. Sorry, neither of us are web people um in that regard. But we're very uh, tired and we don't have a lot of money. Yeah, there there is that. Um but uh I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely think of podcasts as kind of being their own thing. Like for me, I think that's because when I'm listening to a podcast or back when I used to listen to podcasts before the pandemic killed my ability to pay attention to anything. Sorry, podcasts I was listening to. Um, you know, it was like while I was commuting or while I was doing chores or, or something like that. And so for me, that doesn't feel like the internet. That feels like something independent, like honestly, more like a radio show. But radio is also largely on the internet now at this point but i mean i feel like the internet's more of a delivery mechanism than you know than something that it's it's integrated with i don't know i'm sure there are people that have written theses on this sort of thing and we're just talking out of our asses again i will point everyone who is interested uh toward gretchen mccullough's because internet yes yes indeed um that said one aspect one overlap between our show and the, the internet that i certainly have enjoyed is um and we've, we've talked about this before but uh comments on our website on the post on our website for like episodes and stuff there's some really cool discussion that goes on there and it's kind of been cool over the years seeing you know people come and people go and some of the same people stick around like that's its own strange type of in some ways antiquated format of a community that's great I'm mostly online for the cats. I think I'm mostly online for the crabs eating strawberries. And with that, you have been listening to Hawk Talk. I am Jay Edidon. I am Miles Stokes. And we will be back next week with an actually prof professionally edited and reasonably well-prepared episode of Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men, which is what we do three quarters of the time. Thanks for joining us on this bizarre voyage, and have a good week. Bye.